The supply chain hasn't fundamentally changed much in the past thousand years. Whether it's hauling grain or consumer goods, the process involves manual labor, some chaos, and a little bit of luck to get things from safely from point A to point B. However, with recent technologies like automation and machine learning, we may enter into a new paradigm shift. What this shift means for the supply chain and the challenges and opportunities it brings are the topic for this episode of Loaded and Rolling. The modern supply chain is built upon complexity and isn't always incentivized to help the other parts upstream or downstream. We can't place too much blame on the inefficiencies unless we acknowledge the fact that those who ship goods want it done as cheaply as possible, while those who haul goods want the most money they can get for moving it. This state of nature has been the status quo for most of modern human history. What is new, however, is the changing role technology plays in breaking the cycle. Now with automation and machine learning, we have greater control and visibility into who pays for what, how much, and how to get it there faster. This future of freight is not without a cost. These costs involve the potential for a fundamental change in how we transport and store goods. With drones, autonomous vehicles, and blockchain technologies, this brave new world can seem scary for some, but exciting for others. Joining us today to talk about this seismic shift in the supply chain as well as what the future holds is Hans Christian Hainbeck or Chris, founder and CEO of Treckle, a freight and mobility solutions provider that helps connect all parts of our fragmented supply chain. Chris has been implementing and working with innovators on disruptive technologies for over the past 25 years. So I'm very proud to welcome Chris. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, it's just a pleasure. And as we start diving in here, looking into the supply chains, COVID had a huge, huge impact on it. You know, do you see any other factors or is COVID kind of the biggest thing that's been moving this change in our supply chain? That's a really, really good question. I think uh, I do see other factors. In fact, I think that what we're what we're about to experience, the the seismic shift that you had mentioned is going to happen with or without COVID. Um, we're, we're at the outset of a, a, a really big changes. And I think we, we can all feel it, right? We, we see elements of it, you know, whether it's, it's drones, autonomous trucks, et cetera, uh, all around us. Um, when, you, when you really look at it, supply chains haven't changed for thousands of years. You know, I think the, the best we can probably claim is that we, you know, we figured out how to use some internal combustion engines. Um, if you look at the Inventors Hall of Fame, right, there, there aren't many supply chain people in there. You know, there's McLean with a container, there's uh, McKinley Jones with a reefer, um, Parkinson with GPS and, and uh, Woodland and Silver with barcodes. That's about it, right? So, uh, what we're about to experience is 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 very very exciting, you know. And at the same time, I think what the pandemic has really brought to the table is it it made it clear to everybody how important supply chains are. I One want, of the things I know, yeah, yeah. Ahead. I was uh, talking about how important it was when you were telling me about how uh, you know there were uh, so few people in the Inventors Hall of Fame that actually did supply chains. What are some of these things that you've started to notice in regards to some of these seismic shifts? Yeah, this is a, a really good question. When, when, when I looked and when 
we started at, uh, at my company, we started to look at uh, supply chains about four years ago and what was about to change. And obviously, it was clear at the time that we would have uh, a lot of changes coming, right? Um, AI and machine learning were developing. We have obviously in supply chain planning and, and, and so on, we have, we have a lot of, um, a lot of, of technology that's coming into play now. Um, on the physical movement of goods, which fundamentally hasn't changed since we, you know, we went from horse carts to trucks, uh, we now obviously see a lot of things changing. And, um, what, uh, what, what I can see is that the, it, it, it reduces the complexity of, of supply chains dramatically. You know, when, when you really think about it, you know, the economist, um, Adam Smith, right, coined the term invisible hand and he, you know, he, he, he wrote about it in a, in a, in a book in 1759, you know, um, moral sentiments. Um, and, you know, what it comes down to is, I mean, he was walking through London in, in, you know, mid 17, 1700s and, and he was noticing all the stuff that was there, right? And he, he ultimately realizes, well, there's an invisible hand, right? There's, there's capitalist societies, economies have, have intrinsic motivation, right? People, people are motivated to bring bread to the market and clothes and shoes and, you know, tools and everything else we have. Right. And, and there isn't a, there isn't a, a, a central mechanism. Right. And in, inadvertently, what he was describing really was supply chain management. You know, when you, when you look at how many people touch a, a, uh, an item, right. Something that you've ordered on Amazon, Amazon alone. Um, I, I think, you know, you, you stated it. Um, Amazon alone has about 20 people touching your, your product. Right. And it, it, in the greater scheme of things, you know, it's, it's, it's raw materials. It's transport of raw materials, parts manufacturers. It's warehouses. It's truckers. It's rail. It's air. It's, uh, forwarders, right? Import, export. Um, then you have terminal operators on and on and on. Right. You have hundreds of people actually touching the goods that we consume every day. And that is, that is immensely complex on one hand and obviously very, very fascinating on the other. What we're about to see these seismic shifts are that this all becomes visible and it, it all becomes transparent um, through through autonomy and 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 artificial intelligence, machine learning, um, etc. I think that's exciting because I remember the the hidden touch points is so fascinating. I was buying I bought a pair of shorts and I thought, well, you're you're always told you have to wash your clothes as soon as you buy them. They're brand new. Well. It, you know, the, even the very manufacturer's website said the first thing they said was we put a bunch of chemicals on it. The second thing it said was a whole bunch of people have touched those shorts when it was made, sewn, packaged, shipped, unloaded, put on the thing. And so like uh, it is it's this magical invisible hand that we're all starting to see. And I'm, I feel like almost COVID, you know, the supply side shortages, it sped up this process. And I think a lot of people were prepared by just how much we would get acclimated to this new, these new shifts. Exactly. And when you really think about it, you know, one of the things that we're seeing, obviously, and I'm, I'm sure you do as well, is that the, the automation is, is coming together. You know, we, we are at the cusp of having autonomous supply chains, not just autonomous vehicles or autonomous drones, but, but the entire process of physical movement. You know, when you think about it, you have cartons that come off an assembly line, you know, and a, a robotic arm or a DNC, CNC type machine um, puts them into boxes. And a Boston Dynamics robot, now Hyundai, takes them and puts them into cargo containers. You know, uh, 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 Vecna and Anantak, a secret 
material handler drives those to a uh, to a landing pad where a volocopter drone picks these containers up, flies them to a switchyard. At the switchyard, you have another material handler that moves them onto a, a Gatic or to simple truck. From there, the truck now barrels down the road, say from ORD to LAX, and then the process reverses. Right? And now um, it, it is it, the goods are delivered, the cargo containers are delivered to a local delivery center where they're obviously now now um, unpacked. And, and then every 10 minutes, you have a beehive. You know, you have a 100, 200 delivery drones flying through the roof, delivering these boxes to households. You know, so technically today it's feasible that we, that we ship product from the assembly line to the consumer without a hand. You know, it's, it's not an invisible hand. There is no hand. It's the autonomous hand is almost kind of what we're replacing it as. And taking all of this data, we're talking about examples of autonomy. We've had some people on FreightWaves talking about the autonomous parts of the warehouse. We've had some trucking people. But I know when we talked about uh, a while ago, I spoke with you about kind of this hybrid thing, like the concept of you could even potentially, you know, future looking, have either a drone pad or use your garage for a micro warehousing. You know, are these some of the cool things that I think a lot of people should be aware of that may be coming in the pipeline in the next few years? I think so. When you when you look at the the way that that physical distribution to the consumer has evolved, it clearly is becoming more and more local. Right? Today we're talking about hyperlocal deliveries. You have companies that that have attempted 10-minute deliveries in New York. Now they've they've retracted from that and and there are reasons why uh, probably that's that's not feasible in the short term. However, when you automate that process all the way through, it is very feasible because then you know the the the, the cost is is low enough. Um, one idea you know that we've been bouncing around here at, at Druckle was you know that eventually when we have autonomous vehicles, uh, all of us or most of us probably won't have a car anymore, right? We'll be driving in robot taxis. It's you know thirty five cents to the dollars com- uh, to the dollar compared to driving our own cars say, with insurance. Say, our cars stand around 94% of the time during COVID, 100% of the time, right? So it's, it's a very expensive asset when you, when you can just call a robo-taxi. It's, it's easy and, and fast. So when your garage is empty, what are you going to do with that space, right? One idea is that you could potentially use it as a warehouse, you know, and we, we put six, eight pallets into your garage and then, you know, you have a little Boston Dynamics machine that takes things and, and moves them into, you know, into a pickup pad uh, in your driveway or on your roof or something like that, where now uh, these packages are picked up by drones and delivered to households in your neighborhood. Um, and, you, you, have, you know, I'm fairly certain there's probably somebody out there already developing an app for that, right? <laughs> that, that takes, you know, that takes hyper-local warehouses to, you know, to, to that level of granularity. And it's, uh, at the same time, you know, it's, it's highly likely at some point we'll have a, a, um, a package chute, you know, on, 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 on our roof or, or in our garage that, that takes, you know, takes drone deliveries, takes those packages and lands them on your kitchen table safely and, 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 and securely. I like the topic uh, so, about the localization part because it blows my mind. Not only could you potentially have Santa Claus painted as a red drone, dropping it down the package chute, but um, you talked about, we, we'd spoken about what back a little while ago about the localization impact and how some companies are trying to predict this trend by buying up spaces in cities that won't be used for parking and then maybe turn them into small uh, micro-manufacturers or micro-warehousing spaces that can then be utilized to support this kind of nearshoring uh, smaller scale compared to the container ships that we dealt with in COVID kind of laid bare our current supply chain. 
Absolutely. Reef is an example, right? A extremely smart company. They, uh, they've been investing in parking lots uh, for, for a long time now, and they're putting uh, micro kitchens and, and micro warehouses, micro plants, you know, the um, growing, growing herbs, growing salads, potentially even, you know, doing some assembly process um, on site. And as we, as we move into an autonomous future, parking lots will become less and less prevalent. We won't have cars, right? And if you, if you have a car, chances are you're actually going to have it drive for Uber or for Lyft while you don't need it. You know, it, it, it picks you up, takes you to the office. And then for the next four hours, it makes money for you while you're, you know, while you're working. And then for lunch, you, uh, you, it comes back, picks you up, takes you to a restaurant. Um, so, uh, parking lots will be, will be available space. And it's incredibly smart to think about how to use that space already, right? It's where we, we know we're still, quite a ways away from that happening and parking lots emptying out isn't something that happens tomorrow. But fundamentally, it's, it's, it's really intelligent to start building a business model for that now. So by the time it happens, you're, you're by far and large the market leader in that segment. And I think kind of that kind of ties into, so we're talking about automation, putting our, you know, putting our cars to work for us, automating truck fleets, putting it to work. I don't think a lot of people understand how important automating the back office is. We've heard blockchain, FreightWaves had done like an alliance through blockchain thing, but I think a lot of people haven't really thought about the potential use case of what this would actually mean for the supply chain. Yeah, that's, that's very true, I think. And, and I think, you know, first of all, FreightWaves has probably done more for blockchain technology in supply chain than any other organization. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting technology. It's gotten a bad rep a few years ago, but but and it's often linked to to cryptocurrencies, which which is a separate thing. Um, the blockchain fundamentally is a very sound and a, and a very good technology. Um, it is an immutable ledger that allows you to act trustless, meaning that you and I can transact business in 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 a manner that we don't have to trust one another, and that's really a, a huge benefit. Another benefit is that you you document things for a very long time. You know, I, I usually. I usually joke what happens on the blockchain stays on the blockchain, right? It's, um, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, when you, when you think about it, blockchain technology is, is, is perfect to automate processes. It leverages set of sets of code, so-called smart contracts that can actually execute a, for example, a value exchange. You know, if I, if I have a, a, a product and I want to give it to you or sell it to you, we could automate that on the blockchain that if certain conditions are met, for example, my product has arrived at your doorstep, then, then you automatically now initiate a payment to me and um, we can escrow that money beforehand so that, you know, that I have assurance that you're going to pay me at the same time. The money isn't given out until you have assurance that you have the box in front of you. You open it, you say, yeah, this is all correct. And then we have a, you know, we have a value exchange. Um, what we're what we're seeing is obviously that when you automate the physical movement of goods, one thing that isn't going to happen very likely is that we're going to have all these administrative layers and people and people, you know, lots of people handling paper. You know, in other words, we're probably not going to hear words like, "Has anybody seen my bill of lading on the printer?" Very often, once we have autonomous supply chains, you know, it's obviously never everywhere, but but in some segments and for some, you know, some processes that'll that'll happen eventually, right? And so, blockchain is a technology that can actually come in and help to automate the administrative layer, you know, where where we where we book trucks, where we where we you know plan for capacity, where we um, uh, 
potentially, you know, handle LTL shipments, FTL, um, last mile deliveries. All that stuff can be handled on blockchain. You can use fiat currencies that that are converted into stable tokens and things like that into into artificial fictional fictional currencies to to handle value. You know, I put a dollar in. We we put it on a on a freight waves dollar, a freight waves token, and then at the end of it, you know, uh, you cash that freight waves token in, and you get a, a U.S. dollar back. Um, so so we see that blockchain is going to be an integral part in automating the way that that physical transportation happens. Do you feel that and, maybe the biggest challenge is towards automation? Because I'm thinking of it, it'd be amazing to have that full transparency. You could look at the whole history of the truck, the loads, anything that was done, the carrier, the customer. But uh, is there a lot of pushback because it's hard to implement the technology or is it a lot of parts of the supply chain still don't want to have that trust in regards to, even if it's a trustless transaction, I don't want you to possibly see up the chain where I got this from or see down the chain what I really paid this guy for. Yeah, it's, it's that, first of all, yes, absolutely, that's a factor. It's also that blockchain projects traditionally have been approached from the community aspect. People went and said, if I get everyone in, you know, in, in the world to, to, to play ball with what I have, then, then it works. And it was really, really hard to convince other people to play when you're competing with them at the same time. You know, in, uh, we had that case in Ocean Bill of Lading, for example, where it's a great idea to put an Ocean Bill of Lading on blockchain. It's a really solid business case. However, it's really difficult when you're, when you're an ocean carrier doing that, right? It's, it's much easier if you're a neutral third party, somebody like that. And so that has hampered blockchains. I think when we, when we look at blockchain projects that have grown bottom up as opposed to top down, you know, I'll tell you how we implement this and then we all do it. Um, when, when you do it bottom up where you build a solution that's sensible and then you build on top of that and you, you build more and more value consequently, um, that makes a lot more sense. And those are uh, solutions that we see are, are successful today. Um, you know, at Truckle, for example, we started using blockchain in 2018, but we only anchored a, 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 a document which, which basically shows everything that happened during freight transport, um, every document, every photo, every signature, every dot on the map, um, every data point we have on that transaction. We put that, we abstract it, and then we write that abstraction to the blockchain. What it allows you to do is to prove that your document between the time you wrote it to the blockchain was immediately after something's delivered to whenever somebody might ask for it hasn't changed. And you use the system to prove that the data was collected honestly and openly. Now you have a, a, a very good audit trail. Right? There's value in that with all the, the claims and disputes and, and everything that's going on in trucking. Um, but that's just the first step, right? Eventually, um, I can envision that we're, we're going to use blockchain, for example, to pay drivers and to incent drivers to do the right thing. You know, when you, when you pick up the freight, you get 10% of your, you know, your pay. We, we drive for, for say a thousand miles every 250 miles. If you hit a marker, you know, hit a geofence within that, you know, with, with, within the time that it takes to be on time at the other end, if you do that, you get 10% of your pay immediately. And so we, we motivate you by giving you money consecutively as you deliver the freight, which is a very different business model from what we have today, where drivers wait as 30, 60, sometimes more days. And 
So it's, you know, blockchain is a technology that can change the way we look at how transport uh, actually actually takes place. And and it's exciting when you use it in productive ways, such as to, to motivate drivers. And I'm looking into that, thinking of not only you can use the blockchain for automating it, but for uh, visibility. You're talking about, like, is there the potential with autonomous trucks to have a fractional truck exchange or a, a market for the, you know, futures of truck capacity? Yeah, absolutely there is, you know, and, and you guys obviously have, you know, have had an initiative in that, you know, in that space already. And um, when when you really look at it, once you have autonomy and, and you, you mechanize, you automate supply chains, once you have blockchain, once you have a way to monitor what goes on, you have, a, you have to have a software that manages the payload um, and a software that manages the truck, which will come from the OEMs. But once you have those components in place, you can fully commoditize supply chain services and capacity. So uh, I think that we will see eventually a stock market for supply chain, you know, where you could go and you say, hey, I just got my, my bonus. You know, it's, uh, it's great. I have some money. I'm just going to buy 200 lanes from, from ORD to LAX. You know, at forty-eight cents a mile, because it's you know because it's um, it's autonomous, and and then you know, and in 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 July you say, well, you know what, the price is at fifty-three cents now. I'm going to sell twenty-five of those lanes already, and you know, and then in in let's say you you have a a date, you know, for for November, you can then actually use them, or you can sell them as you get closer to the to the usage date, you know, and you can think about trading robotic capacity, right, and. For us, when, when at Truckle, when we started to think about this in 2018, we actually filed a patent on it uh, eventually, um, looking at how our commodity exchanges uh, uh, file their patents. Um, we, we believe that, and I still do, obviously, is that it is a way to, to counterbalance some of the job losses, for example, right? And it's, it's a way to, you know, to, to take the disintermediation that to some degree will happen and turn it into a positive. You know, freight brokers, really will work like stockbrokers potentially, right? If we had a market like this, then as a freight broker, you could, your job would be to buy, you know, capacity, to buy, you know, to, 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 to buy options, to buy derivatives in order to optimize the, uh, the, the flow of freight for your customers, right? And, um, so you're basically operating like a stockbroker, not like a freight broker where you're handholding, you know, you're handholding pallets right now. Um, so I think that's, uh, you know, there's, there's an exciting future where you could, you know, you could also own a couple of autonomous ununtucked forklifts or Vecna or secret forklifts. And you could then actually, you know, have them, you know, basically sell them to the market. Um, they go wherever there's a need. Somebody buys them for half a year, obviously not on a daily basis, but, um, and then, you know, they, they operate and you make money every day. You know, maybe that's, you know, maybe that's the future of a forklift operator and maybe owning a, a autonomous truck or two is the future of a truck driver. That's why I was curious, kind of looking at that future use case is like our final question here. So that could potentially allow fleets that get this investment, they can scale up their fleet. And so a fleet then becomes like a, an aggregator almost of, of these trucks and they can grow it organically without all the nitty gritties of recruiting and everything else. That's exactly right. And it's I've obviously... It's really hard to to predict how this is going to shake out. Uh, in 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 my personal opinion, 
um, a likely scenario is that the truck manufacturers are not selling trucks in the future. They're leasing the trucks. You you buy capacity. Einride is already, you know, has been doing that for years uh, with their middle mile um, autonomous vehicles. And where you you basically you just you know you pay you pay fifteen thousand eighteen thousand dollars as a, to sign on and uh, to set you up and then you know they ship the vehicle to you and then you you pay based on the payload you know based on what you do with the vehicle the driver actually sits in in Sweden has you know eight displays in front of them and two joysticks and they they run a number of these these vehicles at the same time and they're really exception managers they just get involved when the vehicle has an issue when there's an obstacle maybe something needs to be changed maybe it needs to be charged something like that i feel like that could be my future job euro truck simulator is popular for a reason and i feel like they are ahead of the game because then you could potentially get your call and say i need to unstick, unstick this truck real quick I'm already used to it. I got all my cameras. I got the joystick and you're good to go. Um, Chris, that was really amazing. I'm going to have to, I, I love the future, especially this vision of what, you know, we could potentially be going to with this technology. I really appreciate you coming on the show and, uh, and hope to have you on again sometime as well as new developments unfold. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. It was an absolute pleasure. And if you want more podcast pleasure as well, check us out. We're on Spotify, Apple, FreightWaves, tv.freightwaves.com, wherever you can find us under Loaded and Rolling. And there's a newsletter, by the way. It's sent bi-weekly, freightwaves.com slash loaded and rolling. That's it for today, but don't touch that internet dial. Uh, join us again next week, every Tuesday, 1 p.m. And super, super excited. Thank you all for showing up. I'm Thomas Watson, trucking carrier, host, newsletter man, signing off.